Amen. Giving honor to God this morning, who is the head of my life, and, and I do honor my beautiful wife this morning and my family, and, um, and honor Pastor John and Sister Kelly in their absence this morning, and you all as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We get a chance to worship God together um, in this place that we have set aside uh, to honor and reverence our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know about you, but I am ready for the word this morning. Amen. If you will, grab your Bibles, and we're going to go to John chapter 14. And we do honor um, all of the pastoral staff as well in this place today. God is amazing. We have a great team of preachers. Amen? Amen. Amen. People who love God, love his word. Father, this morning we love you. We thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for this opportunity. Father, I pray today that you would speak to the heart of your people, God, and that lives will be transformed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The Bible says in John 14 and 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. These are the words of Jesus. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. <laughs> No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In verse 8, Philip says, said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am, the I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This morning for a thought, I want to leave you with the thought, a search for peace. A search for for peace. And I don't think this morning that it was by accident that the word peace has been mentioned several times this morning. 
I look around this morning and it's a fairly large crowd in here. And I got to believe that there are many people who are assembled here today need a touch from God. We need to hear from heaven and we need the peace of God to rest up on our lives and within us as we walk through this life. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you, but I have faced many difficult seasons in my walk with God. And even more so in the last several months with the transition of my family moving here to Macon and also the loss of my mother and many other things that has taken place with my health and even in my family, their health at times, we needed the peace of God. And here in our text, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he is now coming to a critical time in his life and ministry. He is now preparing his disciples for his impending death. His disciples were completely thrown off by the news. In fact, initially, they were discouraged and confused by it. When we look all throughout Scripture pertaining and leading up to where we are today, in chapters 7 through 13, Jesus had told his disciples that he is going away, and where he is going, they could not come. In in chapter 12, he tells them, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. In verse 33, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. He also pointed out in these few chapters that Peter would deny him three times. And that Satan would be at work tempting to destroy all of them. And all of them would temporarily fall away. Can you imagine with me being his disciple and hearing all of this negative news? It's easy to look at Scripture and say, man, I would do this and I would do that. But I like to place myself inside of Scripture. I like to place myself in the shoes and in, in, in the seat of Jesus' disciples as they're hearing this news. I believe that I would also feel depressed. I believe that I would also feel let down and feel a little bit upset, wouldn't you? We're all human, right? I think we would find ourselves very, very close to how Jesus' disciples are feeling in our text. One of the greatest gifts that, that we are given is the gift of life and relationship with others, especially those that have that we have grown fond of and have built a meaningful relationship with. And the last thing that you want to happen or expect to happen is for them to leave or to be taken away from you permanently. Those of us who have lost someone in this way understand where I'm coming from this morning. In our text, these men love Jesus. They loved him. In fact, we see that in John 21, Jesus tested Peter's love for him three times. And it was to the point that Peter became greatly emotional. Listen to what Jesus said to Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me? I want you to hear my heart today because I can feel today that there are times that Jesus asks us the same thing. And I want you to place your name where Peter's name is. Charles, 
do you love me? Jesus asked Peter this three times, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to Peter behind that, then feed my sheep. I have to believe that Jesus' question to Peter had to cut him so deeply that it challenged him to truly consider his love for Jesus. Guys, there are seasons of life that will not only challenge your peace, but it will challenge your love and your commitment to God. Can I get an amen in the house of God? Because God knows our heart. He knows exactly where we're at. He knows how committed we really are. He knows how uncommitted we really are. So we might as well be honest this morning and let God know, God, I am not where I should be, but it is my desire to be where you want me to be in you. Pastor Jason talked about it this morning that a time is coming where the church is going to walk through more difficulties than we've ever faced. And it is not the time to cower away but it, and shrink, shrink back, but it's the time to draw near to God. I like this side over here. You guys got to catch up. It's a contest. Jesus fully, fully understood and knew what was coming down the road, and he wanted to make sure and challenge Peter to reevaluate his love for him. Throughout life, I have learned that true love is more than lip service. Can I get an amen? But it is more about action, putting action to what you're saying. Have you ever stopped and considered your love for Jesus and for others? This is something that we should do daily. Stop and examine ourselves. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, Paul asked the church to examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize, Paul says, that, the, that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, he says, you fail the test. He says, examine yourselves, look over your life, and consider your life to make sure that you're following Christ the way that you should. There are some things that I have seen throughout the years, Pastor Jason, that, that, I, have, that I have come to the conclusion that, that maybe everybody that sits on the pew of the church might not be where they should be, and some of us might not even truly be born again. One thing that I hate about tests is that they give me anxiety. How many get test anxiety? I hate taking tests. I don't know how I graduated from seminary and did that with honors the first, uh, uh, my bachelor's degree. But when I slow down and just breathe, and reflect on what I have studied. I want you guys to follow me this morning. It's like a miracle I passed the test. 
Life has a way of bringing us to a place of anxiety, fear, and even doubt. It is in those moments that we need to stop and take a deep breath and just breathe and reflect on who is in us when life gives us the most difficult test. Paul said, unless, of course, you fail the test. And and there are seasons that we all fail the test and risk our joy, our peace, our relationship with God and others. But I am thankful that when I fail, our God, our great teacher gives make-up tests. I am thankful that I serve a God of second chances. And that all throughout life, I have pop quizzes to make sure that I am on track to pass the big test. It's in those pop quizzes, those little things that we face, guys, is where we learn how to depend on God. Notice what Jesus says in uh, 14 and 1. He says, Jesus encourages and gives his disciples some promises. He tells them, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In other words, don't allow this news to overwhelm or agitate you in such a way that it shakes you off the foundation that I built underneath you the last few years. He has placed the foundation under us, and the only thing we got to do is when the storms comes and trials comes and the tests come, we need to rest in him. Listen to what I'm saying to you today. If you want to be an overcomer, rest in Jesus. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Do you believe that, people of God? I stand on that. I got to stand on that. If I don't stand on that, the ground around me is no more than sinking sand. Life has a way of shaking us and challenging us. And our perspective will often affect the condition of our heart. Did you hear that? Your perspective will often affect the condition of your heart. Proverbs 23 and 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your heart is the center of your personality. Each believer is responsible for the condition of their heart. Proverbs 4 and 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Every one of us, we have the responsibility when it comes to the condition of our heart. What are, your, what are you conditioning your heart for today? It is my prayer that we have a firm trust in God the Father and in Jesus the Son. This is the only way to overcome and to be relieved from the sorrows of life and to be provided for in future tests. We have to be ready. We have to prepare ourselves. We have God's Word and we have His Holy Spirit, but there is a part that we must play as well. 
When Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in me, this was uh, probably a command and not a suggestion. Can I get an amen? This was not an option. He was leaving. The physical Jesus was leaving his disciples. The teacher, when a teacher gives a test, the teacher backs up and sits away from the students. So what's inside of the students will come out. If you haven't studied, don't expect to pass the test. If you're not in God's word, don't expect to pass the test. If you're not practicing walking in the spirit and not in the flesh, don't expect to pass the test. Can I get an amen? I'm trying, if I, I'm just going to tell you, if I can get at least about 10 more amens, what time is it? If I can get about 10 more amens, we're going to get out of here. Amen? amen. Hallelujah. Church, in our search for peace, it's urgent for two things, that we believe and trust in God. In our text, death, persecution, trials, struggles should not be a dread to Jesus' disciples because he was leaving to prepare a place for them in heaven, the Father's house. In my opinion, more than Jesus going to prepare a place for me is the fact that he said, I will come again. (laughs) Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I don't have to stay here. He is coming back again. This promise is what every believer has been waiting for throughout the ages. We are eagerly expecting his second return. He is coming back for his church. The Bible says in Romans 8, 20, 19 through 25, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who is who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Just read the rest of it for yourself. All of it is good, but I am looking for that day when this corruptible will put on incorruption, when this mortality will put on immortality, and he is going to come back for me, and I'm going to be with him for eternity, according to 1 Thessalonians 4. 13 through 18, these are the promises of God. I stand on God's word no matter what is happening around me. The storms are raging, but my God is faithful. I'm talking to the church this morning. Our hope is not in these temporal things as Pastor Jason talked about. Our hope is eternal. That's where my treasure is. I am spiritually rich in Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm listening and looking toward heaven for an angel and a shout. (laughs) He's coming back. Nobody can stop it. He's coming back. He's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. He's the great I am, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one born of God. 
He's coming back. Can I get real today? But like his disciples, the when, the where, the how leaves us all perplexed at times. Jesus specifically said, and you know the way where I'm going. In verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. Sounds like one of my kids. We do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Church, we know the way to God. He has made it clear to us. Too often life, however, too often life will get so convoluted and confusing that it will throw us off. And Jesus is leaving, did just that to his disciples. It caused Thomas and others a great deal of confusion and despair. Two of the most noteworthy statements Jesus, by Jesus are found in verse 1. And this is what he says in verse 6 also. He tells his disciples, I am the way. I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. Some of us here today, man, we're looking for peace in so many places, and we wonder why we can't find it. We're looking for hope in so many places, and we wonder why we cannot find it. And people all over the world right now are looking for salvation in so many other things, and they wonder why they cannot find it. We need to be that road sign on side of the road saying that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. He is the fleshly door that gave his life for the sins of mankind, and the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom and the earth began to shake when he went in that ground and on the third day he rose again. What is a mystery to me that in that grand resurrection that those who had died in Christ, the saints of old, began to get up out of the grave and start walking towards that holy city. I cannot wait until 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 come to fruition and we're going to rise and be with him in the air. We're gonna, and there we're going to be with him always. You talk about we're, we're coming close to Resurrection Sunday. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to fellowship with the body of Christ. And we eagerly expect and wait for Jesus to come. Listen, I don't know about you. Sunday, that Sunday would be a good time for it to happen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In making such statements... Jesus claims to be three things, the way, the truth, and the life. Let's take a closer look as we observe what Jesus said. He says that I am the way. In reality, Jesus is saying that I am the only way to God because he is the truth and the life. Did you get that? I am the only way because I am truth and I am life. Jesus is the embodiment 
of God so that people can come to the Father. In other I am statements about himself, Jesus says that he is the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection, and the life, and he is the true vine. By his words, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus stressed that salvation, contrary to what many people think, is not obtainable through many ways. And I make no apologies for that. He is the only way. We need to stop apologizing and excusing. Because the reality is this, if we don't tell the truth, Somebody just might miss heaven. And we want people to go and be with Jesus with us. Only one way exists, and according to Acts 4 and 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we can and shall be and must be saved. Jesus is the only access to the Father because he is the only one from the Father. The Bible is clear about this in John 1 and 1 through 2 in verse 51 and John 3 and 13. And again in 1 Timothy 2 and 5, Paul says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is the door that we all must walk through to get to the Father. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 19 through 20, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, we no longer have to climb the religious ladder of works hoping to enter into a relationship with God. But now we have Jesus serving as our high priest and now, he intercedes for us according to Hebrews 7 24 through 25 he serves as our advocate 1 John 2 and 1 the one and only mediator between God and man 1 Timothy 2 and 5 we have a great high priest Jesus is not only the way to God he is also the truth we believe we pardon me we live in a world where there are many so-called truths. People are looking, searching everywhere for truth. And I believe that if we're truly grounded in truth, in Christ, we can give them the truth. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were Christians, Christians. They were little Christ walking around the earth telling people about Jesus. Can I ask you a question? When people look at you, what do they see? Do they see a proper representation of who Jesus is and who Jesus was according to Scripture? We have many Jesuses that have gone out in the world, but there's only one biblical Jesus, and he was born of a virgin. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Your representation of Jesus will exemplify what real peace looks like. It's quiet. I hope we're taking proper inventory of our lives as we look over this. And I'm not exempt, even though I'm up here preaching. There has been days that I failed the test. 
And I didn't walk in the peace that God has so freely given me and the faith that he has so freely given me. The Bible says that he has given us a measure of faith. He has given you his grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. He has given it to you, church. You have the power through the Holy Spirit to be overcomers. The Bible says in Acts 17, 16 through 33, when Paul was in Athens, we're talking about he is the truth. We have the truth. We see that in this chapter, the apostle Paul met a group of people. The Bible says that the people were drowned out by idols and false gods. And because of this, he was greatly distressed. When you see the world around you, this, this world that is just filled with dread and anxiety and doubt and worry and concern, when you see a church that way, do you feel distressed? So he reasoned in the synagogue, the Bible says. His, pardon me, it says that they were dist he was distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happen to be there. We need some happen-to-be-there kind of moments in our walk with God where we're able to tell the truth about the goodness of God in the face of the lie of the devil. A group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Listen, it is a scary place where we're at today as a church. How come so many of us are accepted? How, many, how come the world accepts us so much? The preaching of the gospel, according to Scripture, will always cause conflict. Can I just be honest? There are times I look at the Word of God and I say, nope, don't want to do that. And the Holy Spirit said, get over here, boy, do that. Don't want to do that. No, no, no. Now, it's like, it's like a man, when a man look at himself in a mirror and beholds what he really looks like. Some days I look like a mess. Some days I look in a mirror and I identify with the fact that I need to shave, that I need to groom myself. And we all do that. And the Word of God is good for that. But sometimes when, when things are good for us, we don't do it. Why? Because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't taste good. That's why most of us like to eat hamburgers instead of salads. And, and this is what happened. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the, of the Arapagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the, foreign, and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing <laughs> but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting, thank God for an opportunity, 
of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious. Oh, I can preach there. I'm just going to keep going on. For as I walked through and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this, with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. That truth needs to be reevaluated again. Our God doesn't live in temples built by the hands of man. Our God lives in the temple of the, of the believer, the family of God, Listen, God, our, this temple was built by God that houses his spirit. But our God is the omnipresent God. He is everywhere all the time at the same time. Solomon himself even had a concern about building God's house because he understood that his house, that temporary, that man-made house could not take up and inhabit the presence of God. Can I tell you today, our God is not only too big for this little house, our God is too, too big for our problems. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, amen. We got three more amens to go. What time is it? Yeah. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our beings. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine is being like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people people everywhere to repent for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice and by man he has appointed he has given proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead when they heard about the resurrection of the dead some of them sneered but others said we want to hear you again on this subject some of them got the truth some of them rejected the truth. Where do we fall today in this text? At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was some dude with a really hard name. <laughs> a member of the Areopagus. Also a woman named Damaris and a number of others. To sum up, to sum it up, Paul preached Jesus. 
And if people want truth, give them Jesus. Give them the Word of God. Can I get an amen? What is truth? Pilate asked this very question in John 14, 7 through 8. truth. We got to know Jesus. Pardon me, Pilate asked this in John 18 and 38. What is truth? And in John 14, 7 through 11, Jesus says that if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And we know what uh, Philip said, Lord, show us what, what is this truth? Jesus had to reiterate it again, pointing to himself that I am the truth. He says, if anyone has seen me, he has seen the Father. The Father is in Jesus, and Jesus perfectly reveals him in John 1 and 18. There was no need for another visible manifestation by seeing Jesus. They were seeing the Father. In his fullness, we know Jesus by faith and through the leading of the Holy Spirit. We study his word. We know his word. We know when there is a fake. We know when there is a fraud. The Bible says in John 8 and 32, Jesus proclaims that truth is real and knowable. And he proclaims that truth can set one free from the bondage of sin. And if you want peace, do what Jesus did. He prayed and he stood on the very words of his father. And by abiding in Jesus' teaching, we can know the truth and the peace of God and the freedom that it offers. Can I get an amen? I'm almost done. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119 and 105, the, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Truth will always be found in God's word. When you have questions, when you have concerns, you need to look to God's word peace and freedom from the bondage of sin becomes even more meaningful when we consider how Jesus' life exemplified that. In John 10 and 10, it says that the thief comes to do three things, kill, steal, and destroy. But God came that we may have life and life abundantly. You talk about life that God brings through his son, Jesus Christ. If you want peace, connect to Jesus, the true vine. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And in John 16, 33, he says, 
I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul says to the church, be anxious for nothing in everything by prayer and supplication with gratitude. Make your request known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will protect your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? You want protection? Get in Jesus. You want peace? Get in Jesus. You want joy? Get in Jesus. Jesus offers peace the world cannot give. The world at best can offer us a temporary happiness that will eventually dissipate into the air. Not Jesus, my friend. Jesus gives us his love, which passes knowledge, and he provides us with his joy that is inexpressible. I am telling you today, I am thankful for the joy that I have in Jesus with such peace, love, and joy. What an abundant life Jesus offers the body of Christ. We have this abundant life through the new birth by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 3, 3, that we must be born again. The the very reason why many of us are not content in who we are. The reason why the world is shaking and there's turbulence is because we need a touch from God. We need an encounter with Jesus. We need a revival. We need a renewal. We need a shaking in the spirit that wakes us up, that touch this mortal body and quicken us and makes us alive to the things of God. Can I get an amen in the house of God? The Spirit regenerates us. He makes us alive to the things of God, and He helps us to know and understand God's plans for our lives. And in our closing today, a search for peace will come when we learn to believe. In verse 11, Jesus tells them to believe me, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. In these few words, Jesus gives us a foundation for our trust in him. We can believe Jesus simply because of his person and words, and we can also believe him for the miracles and the works of the cross. I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't have to just look to Scripture and look at the miracles. Because I am a miracle myself. When God can take a young man from a broken home and a mom just trying to do her best. And he can take me off the streets of Tupelo, Mississippi and Memphis, Tennessee and all over doing what I was doing and take somebody like me that was so far away from God, that knew God before, that walked away from God, and I didn't even sin, had took me so far down the road and changed me so much that I didn't even recognize myself. And my God can take a young man like myself and come to the crossroads of my life and stop me dead in my tracks and deliver me and set me free and give me a joy and set me on fire for him. That is a miracle. 
Listen, sometimes we're looking for people's limbs to grow back and their eyes to open, and we need to look around us at the greatest miracle that was ever wrought on face of the earth was the miracle of salvation that God is offering us through his son. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me or through me. The greatest miracle is still the miracle of salvation. The greatest miracle is still found at the cross. Hallelujah. And the blood of Jesus. If you'll stand this morning, every supernatural work and manifestation done by Jesus came from God. Jesus was not only connected to him by nature, but also in operation. Jesus' challenge to Philip to believe was not to Philip, but to all of us. Our faith will always include a recognition to what Jesus says is true. In a search for peace, it is during the most trying times in life, many of us ask the question, if God is real, why did this happen? Why did that happen? In most cases, this comes from a heart that is hurt, a heart that is broken or even shattered by an event that was beyond their control. And they're asking the question, God, I need for you to show up in this one. My faith is challenged. My peace is challenged. Jesus didn't say that he would show us a way. He said that I am the way. He didn't promise to teach us a truth. He said that he is the truth. Jesus didn't offer us a secret to life. He said that he is the life. Now in our search for peace, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15 and 13. I'm so sorry I, I had a song prepared for the end, but if you'll hold there just for a moment as well. I want to give us a moment. I know we want to get out of here, but I'm going to have this song played. It's called, it's by Lauren Daigle, Hold On to Me. I think I said that right. I want you to stop for a moment and consider your life, because the word peace has been mentioned a few times this morning. I want to ask you a question. Are you, where are you at in your walk? Are, are you struggling? Maybe because that word has gone through sometimes repetition. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Maybe he speaks to you like that as well. Have you been struggling with peace about something in your life? Will you just raise your hand? Amen. I, I, I mean, I see all those hands. If you're here today and you're like, man, I know why I don't have peace because I don't have Jesus. If that's you today and you're like, man, I want to make Jesus Lord. I want that peace that Pastor Charles and many others that I know have. I want that peace. If that's you today, you want to give your heart to Jesus, raise your hand. I see those hands. 
what I want you guys, those who raised your hand, I want you to find um, the elders of the church. Uh, if, if you guys have come at this moment now, just for a moment, we're going to, I want you guys to raise your hand if you're an elder in the church. Pastor in the church. <laughs> we're going to get it right here in a minute. I want you to find those guys in just a moment, and we're going to give them opportunity to pray. Amen? Here come an elder. <laughs> Here come a pastor. I want you guys to look at me, okay? If you raise your hand, don't be ashamed, all right? I want you to come to Jesus and give your life to the Lord. Lord, this song is going to play, and if you're just needing peace, I want you to rest in that. I want you to pray and talk to God and allow him, the Prince of Peace, to give you peace. Amen? Amen. If you're coming, come now. If you want to come to the altar, please come. Amen? During this song, let's play the song. Barely breathing When I'm not somebody I believe in Hold on to me When I miss the light The night is stolen When I'm slamming all the doors you've opened Hold on to me Hold on to me Hold on to me when it's too dark to see you When I am sure I have reached the end Hold on to me when I forget I need you When I let go, hold me again When I don't feel like I'm
And in our close, I'm just going to read Romans chapter 15, verse 13, one more time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, go with us from this place, but not from your presence. God, may we feel your peace. May we be filled with your joy as we live this life called Christianity for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.